Good morning. Welcome to Earthmakers, spiritual care for real humans. My name is Josiah, and I am the grateful creator and host of this podcast. I'm a New Yorker living in Minnesota. I'm a clinically trained chaplain and a spouse. I'm a recovering addict living with an eating disorder. I live with PTSD and other mental illnesses. Let's get started. Some of you who are newer to the Earthmakers podcast may not be fully aware of the reasons as to why I introduce the podcast the way that I do. I explained it a few episodes back, but I will give you a little bit of a refresher today. And you'll have to pardon me, my allergies are in full bloom this morning, and so um, I have some coughing and wheezing I have to do. My apologies. I was reading the book Unsubscribe by the great Josh Corda. Josh Corda is the guiding teacher of Dharma Punks New York City in Brooklyn, which is a Sangha. So Sangha is the uh, Buddhist equivalent of what Christians would call a congregation or a parish. Uh, Dharma Punks NYC meets out of a a building, you know, like uh, much like congregations and parishes meet out of church buildings, right? Um, It's a meditation center, a Zen temple, you know, you can call it whichever. Josh Korda um, teaches the Dharma. He refers to himself as a pastor. He's a Buddhist pastor. And Josh's story is really amazing. I'm not going to tell you the whole story today because I just think it's not worth all the time given the fact that I've shared it before on past on a past episode. But Josh basically boils his story down to the fact that after witnessing the events on September 11th, 2001, uh, standing in New York City, watching the plane physically strike the tower, and then watching the towers fall. He walked around like a zombie for some time after that. He had a job in advertising and, but knew that something had to change. And so he started practicing Buddhism and he was introduced to the Dharma punks tradition within Zen and it transformed him. And the reason it transformed him was because he met teachers within the Dharma punks tradition who were transparent and raw and real and all of the other teachers he had met on his journey 
felt inaccessible in some way, like a little bit of maybe even like a step above human. And this is a great problem with spiritual leaders <clears throat> and uh, clergy around our world, and especially in our culture, is that many of us in that role feel pressured to be something a little bit more than human. We are told two things that are strikingly opposed to one another. The first one is we want you to be relevant and accessible. And the second thing we're told is don't ever fuck up. (laughs) In other words, be human but don't have any obvious faults. Don't make any obvious errors. And every error that a clergy person makes is deemed a, quote, moral failing, unquote. I am very anti-moralism, as is the Buddhist tradition that I come from. I am not interested in deciding who is right and who is wrong, who is good and who is evil, but rather what are the things that are distracting from the truth? What are the things that are creating harm? What are the things that are creating health? What is damaging and destructive? and what builds up and is constructive, right? That's what I'm interested in. My friend Leah and I, she is a a spiritual junkie like me. <laughs> she and I were talking on the phone yesterday and um, she was and I mentioned this to her and she said, "Well, it's not really that it should be a moral issue. So she was in agreement with me about that. And then she said, it's not so much about moralism, but exposure. Because we were talking about the fact that, you know, bankers and accountants and custodians and landscapers and lawyers and doctors are held to a lower moral standard. than clergy and teachers and counselors in our society. If a doctor has an affair, for example, or a doctor has a gambling problem, yes, those are problems. Those are a part of the attachment craving issue and that doctor should get help and should change right? We would all agree about that. But this doctor's not going to necessarily lose his or her job or vocation over having an affair or over gambling. 
if the gambling problem or the affair starts to impact their work directly, then maybe. But if those things are separate, the people in the medical community, as long as they see that this doctor is doing their job well, it is immaterial, right? But if a clergy person has an affair or has a gambling problem, outside <clears throat> of the church or the sangha or the temple it is considered such a great moral failing that they should have their vocation taken from them they should be what we call in the clergy community defrocked, right? And I hate <laughs> the pressure, the pressure that is placed on me and my kind. I hate it. I think that it is undue. But the reason that people get so flustered and violent even in their approach to clergy error or counselor or teacher error is that, well, our job is to expose people to the truth. And when we expose them to something that alters our approach to the truth, it can be confusing, frustrating, bewildering, and it can cloud people's vision. A, a doctor may be a surgeon who treats the brain or the heart, the literal physical organs. I am charged with treating the human spirit. How the hell does one do that? I really don't know. And yet here I am doing it. So I open my podcast this way because just like Josh Corda found comfort when he sat in the presence of teachers who were not afraid to own their shit. I'm not afraid to own my shit. There are some beautiful, wonderful things about me. And there's also some not-so-beautiful, ugly-ish things about me. And all of those pieces of who I am are important pieces. So with that being the case, my friends, I have a question for you today. Why do we adults primarily run around our lives wearing masks <clears throat> and maybe the better first question would be which masks do you wear what masks are we wearing 
And why are we wearing them? Maybe if we took some time today and wrote down the masks that we wear. Masks can be heavy. There's those masks, light, you know, plastic, cheapo masks you can buy from Target for Halloween. Or there are those masks that are like giant ceremonial masks made in tribal cultures that hang around in museums. These masks look so cool and scary and badass, do they not? And yet, they look very heavy and would weigh me down. See, that's the thing about those ceremonial masks. They are large, heavy, sturdy, and yet they are beautiful and ornate, flashy, and sacred. The masks draw people in. They want to see what the person in that mask is going to do. So we wear masks. Some of us wear masks to survive. Maybe it's an espionage movie in which somebody wears a covering over their face so that they can slip through a, cr a crowd unnoticed in order to save their lives and the lives of others. Maybe you... are wearing a mask <clears throat> in the classic bank robber sense. You are taking something from someone, but you don't want them to know that it's you. They don't want, you don't want them to know who the real you is. So you inflict pain while wearing a mask, and you insist, this is who I am. This bank robber in the Richard Nixon mask. The masks we wear are insidious because we don't only wear them for protection. When we wear those masks, sometimes we find ourselves turning those masks into gods. How dangerous. Masks can serve a purpose, right? Masks can do us good. Masks can... I come from the, a theater background, so masks help us tell stories. Masks carry with them a responsibility. Masks can provide a service. But most of the time, I would say, the masks we choose to wear create more harm than good. We think they're serving us. And the people that see the masks believe those masks are serving them. And I understand, trust me, I get it. I know why you would want to wear a mask. <clears throat> Maybe somebody in your life died recently. Maybe you experienced a significant loss of some kind. 
and the mask you're wearing is, I'm okay. I'm fine. I'll get through this. I'm a badass. But what if you're not okay? What if you're not a badass? I have a dear friend. Well, a couple of dear friends. A married couple who whose daughters are a couple of my favorite people. I'm kind of the unofficial uncle Joey to them. And the youngest of the daughters has had a high volume of brain surgeries in a very short amount of time. She is about to go into her fifth brain surgery this week. If she were my daughter, I wouldn't necessarily know how to handle that. And so, that being the case, I might throw on a mask. And the mask might say something like, I've got this, don't worry about it. So that I wouldn't show fear to my family. So that I wouldn't show fear to my neighbors. Or to my community of faith. But what if there were no masks? That's the big question, isn't it? What if there were no masks? That's the reason this podcast exists, my friends. To create space for you to show up with no mask on. Living with an eating disorder, sometimes I like to wear or want to wear clothing that covers up certain parts of my body in a way that doesn't make me feel ugly. I used to engage in self-harm. And sometimes those of us who engage in self-harm wear longer sleeves or longer pants even in the summer to cover up the wounds we've inflicted on ourselves. So that we... It's not just so that others won't see them, but so that we won't have to face them. Because if somebody else acknowledges the wounds, then we have to acknowledge the wounds. Even though we inflicted them upon ourselves, even though we carry those scars in our very flesh, we are really good at pretending they don't exist because we just want to survive. If I don't acknowledge it, is it still there? Here's my invitation to you for this moment. Whatever mask you're wearing this morning, maybe it's the mask of faith, maybe it's the mask of parenting, maybe it's the mask of the good spouse, maybe it's the mask of the healthy athlete, maybe it's the mask of the brooding creative. Maybe it's the Republican mask, the Democrat mask, the Christian mask, the Buddhist 
Muslim Hindu mask, the atheist mask. Whatever the mask is, I invite you right now to slowly remove it and set it on the ground. And don't touch it. I'm taking off mine too. Let's take off our masks together. And imagine that in the center of the room there is a giant bucket and we're throwing our masks in that bucket. It's the no-touch bucket, so don't go anywhere near it, okay? Can we agree on that? Good. Now sit or lie down if you'd like. You may keep your eyes open or close them, depending on what you're more comfortable with. Let's take in some deep breaths together. In on four. Out on four. A couple more of those. And then settle into the natural rhythm of your breathing. In and out. Our meditation for today is a poem by Esteban Rodriguez, a poet I had never heard of until this morning. And he has written an amazing poem called Lucha Libre. It was the mask I wanted more than fame, the tight turquoise leather tied with red shoestring around my nape, the thought of being someone else without being anchored to a face so as not to face the features in the face that were slowly changing, growing stranger by the year. And there was the white complexion so different from the darker shades of skin around me, and the pimples unwilling to renounce their loyalty, leaving me to reinvent the candy red bumps as chicken pox instead. Even if I didn't know the one hit wonder of this disease, once I saw those Mexican men fighting on TV, I couldn't care less if anyone else believed it, if I, like them, was putting up a front because a front was the surest thing to guise myself in, to carry my confidence further than their choreographed jumps, than their lunges, plunges, angelic dives, than the tiptoe rope walking as they backflipped farther into the ring or as their sweaty bodies began to sink with the crowd's shock and awe, feed off their praise and screams. And there I was, bouncing off my bed, mumbling Spanish I could barely speak, and hardly able to drop, kick, eye poke, cross chop, pile drive, head butt, body slam, brain bust, somersault, shoulder claw, slingshot, or sleeper hold into my role as Rudo, the dirty playing villain, desperate to pin the appearance I no longer wanted, to wait for the count and finish off with a headlock, so I wouldn't have to take off my mask, reveal to myself who I knew I really was. Thank you, Esteban Rodriguez, for speaking life into us today in your beautiful poem.
What are the masks you're wearing, my friends, every day? What if we acted like who we were without the masks was enough? Maybe we don't know who we are without the masks, and maybe we don't know what is a mask and what is authentically me, and whatever that is, it's worth it to experiment and investigate and find out. Trust me on this one. For many years, the masks I wore were things that I really loved. I wore the mask of a straight, cisgender, devout Christian pastor. My mask looked like a pulpit and a clergy collar. Yes, I did some wonderful, beautiful things in that pulpit and in that collar. I provided a lot of care, pastoral care, spiritual care to people who needed it. So I don't regret it, but those tools that I had been given by my higher power to utilize through the vehicle of the authentic self instead became masks that hid my pain until my pain was dragged out into the light, kicking and screaming and clawing. Those masks became higher powers, gods to me. And today I look back and I say, the masks aren't worth it. You don't have to choose between being human and being something else that you love. You just get to be you, fully human, here and now. And if other people don't like it, well, honestly, fuck them. Today I am not wearing the masks. Today I am Josiah, Joey, Armstrong. I'm laying down my masks to be who I really am. New Yorker, spouse, pastor, Buddhist, queer identifying, cat lover, Star Wars lover, bulimic, Someone who has survived suicidal ideation and intent. Someone who has survived suicide attempts. Someone who has survived emotional and physical abuse. And sexual assault. Someone who is whole and complete exactly as he is. No matter the stuff I've done, or the things that were done to me, 
I am safe. I am here. I am sacred, just as I am. And so are you. Keep coming back, please, and leave your masks behind. It's okay. I love you. Take good care of you today. And I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you.